Super Bowl is over. The All-Star Weekend is upon us. And the technical first half of the NBA season is coming to a close on Thursday. What's up, guys? Keeping it 94. Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz. Another episode brought to you courtesy of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. Presented in part by Ticket Smarter and Prize Picks. Giannis dropping 50 on guys' heads. The Celtics on a nine-game winning streak. We've got a lot going on. A lot to get to. Trades. James Harden and Ben Simmons speaking for the first time with their new teams. Davis Bertans taking shots at the Wizards as a member of the Mavericks. Had a pretty solid game on Tuesday, by the way. So, lots to get to. And I know that I didn't mention specifically that team on the West Coast that Brian loves to talk about. I'm sure we're going to get to it. But it's just kind of hard to believe that we're already here in mid-February. Cleveland's going to be the spot for everybody to watch. My hometown. Excited to bring it in and host the All-Star festivities. But Brian, it's, it's crazy. It's already here. I don't know where the time went. And yet, and yet, the standings are still so bunched up and anything can happen. I was going to ask you about the big weekend because it is in your city it and is. you're going to be a major host. So I was wondering where the party's at, what celebs have already RSVP'd, um, what have you been uh, shopping for your new swanky attire or what's going on with all of that? Well, we don't need any swanky attire. You know, I got that all in the closet right here beside me. That's true. Right. So that's so I'm sure there's been a lot fun. of ironing. Yeah. 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 Just a little bit of ironing, you know, maybe some smell goods and whatnot. Got to get the hair right. You know, just shave the beard a little bit. Got to look presentable. Got to be a good some host, accessorizing. Like, like, do you do anything extra? Like, um, do you have a fancy hat or do you plan on getting like a cane so you can do the swag walk? Or If I had a cane, I'd have a cigar in my mouth and I'd also have a hat on that made me look like a pimp. So that's probably not going to happen. But hey, would you, you never go, know where it's Would Saturday you go Cosmo go. Kramer and get the Technicolor uh, robe to go with the cane? Oh, you better believe it, buddy. <laughs> but no, uh, basically going to show people around town that come in from the league, you know, show them the best food spots, where to get a good drink. That's what we got to do here over the weekend. And I'm looking forward to it. I need it. As you know, the trade deadline took a lot out of me. This week's taken a lot out of me, honestly, just trying to nail down where everybody's going to be who's going to do what interviews and all that fun stuff. So uh, the break is not only for the players. It's not only for the teams. It's also for us, the media. So uh, going to take full advantage of that and hopefully have a heck of a time this weekend. But uh, before we get there, we do have one more day, two more days technically, of basketball as we're recording this on a Wednesday afternoon. And uh, yeah, the standings are still bunched up in the East. It's so nuts. It, like, it, I feel like a broken record when I talk about this conference right now. Uh, there is a less than 10 game gap between the first seed and the 11 seed. And if you want to go further, the one seed and the seven seed are separated by five or less games. So, uh, yeah, separation not happening. And the games right now are extremely, extremely important. And the regular season actually means something. It's been incredible to see how bunched up it is, especially in the East. And that has not gone away. Nobody has separated themselves. There's been a flip-flopping of teams at the top to where, you know, right now the Heat and the Bulls are there, but the Bucks are coming on strong. The Cavs have held their position. 
the Celtics who, you know, not too long ago, people are wondering if they're going to make it into the play-in are now out of that and are in the sixth seed and playing their best basketball of the season. So it's, the East has been incredible so far. In the West, it's a little bit of a different story with the, the haves and have-nots over there. But the, the East is where it's at this year when it comes to all these different teams bunched up and seeing who's going to emerge and, and where. And I think that positioning is going to be important because we could sit here and say maybe, maybe home court isn't going to mean as much in the playoffs. I tend to not believe that. Um, and I think these teams would definitely like to be uh, playing on their home court as much as possible. And I think they want to get as good a position as possible because you want to try to steer clear of playing the Bucks or playing the Sixers early on in the playoffs. Yes, yes. And you bring up the Western Conference and you see Phoenix just sitting there pretty. Uh, there's some sort of stat. It's one of their best starts in franchise history or is the best start in franchise history or tied for it or something. I don't know what the actual statistic is, but I just wanted to just mention about the Suns as I watched them close out this game against the Clippers last night. And by the way, uh, again, talking about the Clippers, how feisty of a team they are, how much that they make you earn it. No matter who you know who they're playing, it's just the the attitude that they've had this year, despite being two games under five hundred. The Suns. I feel like I watch the same game every time I see them on TV. I feel like I see the same exact game, and uh, that's not by like final score. That's not by like you know uh, you know game flow, but just them specifically. It's just this crisp ball movement. It's executing down the stretch. It's Chris Paul coming off screens, hitting these pull-ups. It's Chris Paul coming off these screens, finding the pocket pass. It's Chris Paul coming off these screens, lobbing it up for DeAndre Ayton. It's Devin Booker turning the corner and shooting over guys' hands. It's Mikel Bridges, who's absolutely been on fire on the offensive end here as of late. There's just so much consistency with this team and they only got deeper over the trade deadline. They reacquired Tory Craig, who was a part of the championship, uh, you know, uh, runner-up last year. They went out and got Aaron Holiday, which could prove to be a really solid depth move as well. These are just this team is forty-seven and ten. The Heat are thirty-seven and twenty-one, uh, and tied with the Bulls, the same record in the East at the top there. But they're just running away with it right now. And uh, Arlen Everett Sidery, who hosts the Nothing But Bets podcast, he's actually based over. Uh, in Phoenix, and I had tend to agree with what he tweeted. He said, I have no idea who can beat this team in four out of seven games. I'm just looking at what they do in winning time and how fast they get off to these starts, and I'm just, I'm in awe. I'm just watching the same thing over and over again. It's surgical. It's almost as if they have this, like, premonition of where their teammates are going to be every single step of the way, half court, getting out in transition. It's just, it's incredible basketball. It's fun to watch, and I love seeing it because Monty Williams, I think, got a little bit snubbed for the coach of the year last year. I think he definitely has to have the lead this year, even though there are a ton of great candidates for it. And uh, they're just humming, man. They're humming, and they're going into the break uh, at a very solid clip here. They have one more game left, uh, and that's uh, on Wednesday night. But they they just look like an unstoppable force right now. And I know the regular season can trick some people, but I don't think this is a trick. We've seen them do it in the postseason before. We see the mix of talent they have between the veterans and the young guys and the experience that they got from that playoffs. So I don't know what these teams can do against this team uh, in a seven-game series. It speaks to chemistry. It speaks to consistency and a team that is focused because they got so close last year 
They did not make major changes to this roster. They brought everybody back and said, we're just going to stick with what we got. We can play better. Some of our younger guys will get even better. Our chemistry is going to get even better. And they've stayed healthy for the most part. I mean, Booker missed some time early on in the season, but he's been back and this team has been clicking and they're a machine. I mean, you do not want to get into a close game with the Phoenix Suns because if it comes down you know, to those final five or six minutes of a game, you're not going to beat them. You're, it's going to be extremely difficult and almost impossible, I think, because they are so surgical and precise and so consistent, and they know how to beat teams. They just hang in there. They don't get emotional about it, and they just do their thing. That's why when I look at, you know, where everything is right now, kind of, you know, in both conferences, like we could sit here in the West and we can talk about Golden State and Memphis. And we'll see, especially when it comes to the Warriors, because, you know, they're not 100% healthy. But the Suns look far and away like the best team there. And, you know, when it comes to the East, I look at these teams and I'm like, I don't know who could beat the Suns. Like, the, I don't the know only, who the top team in the East is. The that, only that, I thing think that I could see happen. What the argument is here is you have to have a player that is so overwhelmingly good that they would have to put their entire team on their back to lead them to a series win against the Suns. And and to me, that's Joel Embiid with the Sixers and that's Giannis with the Bucks. What about DeRozan with the Bulls? <laughs> See what he's doing over the last eight And I should games. include him as well. Yeah. But I mean, just, just to sit here and talk about like how difficult it's going to be. And a lot can happen between now and then. We know the ebbs and flows of the season and, you know, what can happen. But when you take a step back and you look at this, the Suns just look like they are a team that's on a mission. It, it's weird because like last year, we looked at the Utah Jazz at a certain point. And I remember sitting there going, you know, the Jazz just look like the team. They just, they bend together and they look so focused. But when you think about that now, they're not on the same level as consistency and focus as the Suns. They're just not. This is, this is a whole other echelon. And it's going to be extremely difficult, I think, for anybody to, to overcome this, if they keep humming along the way they have been. And it's not like, Oh, they've just been doing this for a couple of weeks or a couple of months. This has been since training camp to where we are now, which is two thirds of the way through the regular season. Absolutely. And you bring up a really good point there that there's not just that one guy on Phoenix. You can look at Chris Paul and Devin Booker and say, Hey, they're co MVPs. Right. But you know, I'm looking at the, you know, the Mikel bridges. I'm looking at the cam Johnson's. Heck, even since he's come back from from injury, Jay Crowder has been crashing the glass and making these big-time smart plays. JaVale McGee, the backup big that they did not have last year in that run, has been astounding. JaVale is awesome this year. So, like, I don't know what their hole is. That That's what I'm trying to think. What is their deficiency? It used well, to be before depth. The it season used to be started. depth. I don't think it's that anymore. Yeah, at the beginning of the season... People are talking about, like, do they need another big? Well, JaVale has filled that gap. And now they have Bismack behind him, who was putting up double-doubles. And they've got Bismack. And plus, when the playoffs come and you tighten your rotation, DeAndre Aiden is going to be playing more time. And we see what can happen when you give him more minutes and you unleash him. That's what we're going to see. 
you know, at him. We're going to get a lot more out of him as well. So it's just, I think it's amazing the way that they've been able to build the team, keep the team, stay focused the way they have. Remember, at the beginning of the season too, there was a lot of drama around this team between what happened off the court with ownership and that whole thing and with Aiton's contract because they did not give him a max. They did not extend him. And people wondered, is this going to be something that spills onto the court? And it hasn't because Monty Williams has been able to handle that. He's been professional about it. I think Aiton has been professional about it. And Aiton knows too, hey, you know what? I will get paid. I understand I wanted it now, but I can't be getting upset about this right now and making a stink about it because we are a championship level team. And we need to take advantage of that right now. The money will come. Just take advantage of what we can do on the court right now. And and some players might not have done that, but he has been able to do that and kind of put it, you know, on the back burner and stay focused on the mission for this team. Certainly. And and that's how I wanted to kick this podcast off because, you know, everybody's had their eyes on the trade deadline and all the rumors that came out of that and the fallout and the new teams and whatnot. But when I just look at the basketball aspect of, of what's going on right now, I just see these sons as just head and shoulders above everybody else. And just watching again on on Tuesday night, that just kind of reaffirmed where I was at. Before we get to what we're talking about next, we want to say that uh, looking to go to hottest concerts, sports, theater, and family shows near you, get 100% guaranteed tickets to more than 125,000 live events from Ticket Smarter, the official ticket marketplace of basketballnews.com, Order online now. So I mentioned earlier uh, in the East, we've got a couple of hot teams right now, one of them being Boston. Boston is on a little tear right now, uh, nine in a row. They kind of look like world beaters. They just blew the lights off of the arena in Philadelphia with James Harden looking on in his first appearance on the bench, uh, just looking on. He wasn't active, obviously, but Joel Embiid was playing that game. And the Celtics came in and just absolutely took the life out of them on national television. You're looking at what Jason Tatum's done. You're looking at what Jalen Brown's done. Marcus Smart has been excellent for them uh, in this stretch of games. It sucks. He just went down with this ankle injury. Hopefully he's not out for a while. But that's why you went out and got Derek White at the trade deadline. Somebody who's an amazing point of attack defender. He was a team high plus 41 in that game uh, with 11 points and two assists. So you can see what his impact is. Not just on the uh, you know offensive side of the floor. It's obviously his defensive work. They obviously brought Daniel Tice back into the picture in a nice little sneaky move. Um, this team right now is clicking on all cylinders. Defensively, they have been the best in the year 2022. I'm telling you right now, this is exactly what I was expecting You know, the first few months of the season. This is the team that I thought I was going to see. This is why I had them so highly rated. Because they got a new coach. They had different, you know, uh, personnel. We kept talking about how they need a point guard. They need a point guard. Well, now they actually have kind of this backup guy with Derek, Derek White. Um, but defensively is where this is all happening. This is, this is the big portion of what they're doing. And when Jason and Jalen have it going together at the same game, it's tough to stop. And they didn't even have Robert Williams last night, who's been a big part of this team. Uh, but Grant Williams playing a huge role for them as well. So they're doing some really special things right now, and they're not beating like these slouches. They're beating legitimate teams, and as we saw in Philadelphia, uh, they're putting the East on notice right now to say, uh, yeah, we're here. 
I think one of the turning points of the season has been when there was all this talk leading up to the trade deadline. Go back about three weeks. And there was so much talk about like, oh, what are the Celtics going to do? Should they bottom out? Can they turn this around? Oh, they desperately need a point guard. And I think Marcus Smart saw those comments and really took it personally and thought like, no, I'm the point guard of this team. I can be the point guard that this team needs. And you could really see him embrace that role and play a little bit differently and give the team what they needed. And since then, they've gone on this run. And he's kind of thrown it in everybody's face. And like you said, they go out and they get White. I think that was a sneaky good move. You know, they don't have Schroeder anymore, but I think White's going to be a better fit for what they are going to do. Absolutely. He's almost a little repetitive to what Marcus Smart can do on the court, but Hey, if you got smart doing it and then you want to, you know, bring in the backup and he's doing basically the same thing, that might be a good thing to have. They you are similar archetype. I like that. I like yeah. that comparison. And not to interrupt, but you bring up a really good point on, you know, smart being a playmaker over his last over this nine game winning streak, uh, 13 points and six assists a game on 47 percent from the field. So that's coming there. And then obviously keeping the defense over a steal a game. Yeah. And, and when it comes to Grant Williams, I mean, he has been. Sneaky good this year, and they had chances to move him at the deadline, and the Celtics are like, no, we're holding on to this guy. He is not going anywhere. And it helps with their depth, and they're finally making it click. And by the way, you talked about when it came to that game and you know the Sixers getting blown out and James Harden there for his first game. I'm just surprised that, that he was on the bench for the entire game and then joined at halftime like he's done with a bunch of other games this season. Go ahead. Get your points points off. I know you want to get your points off, so go ahead. (laughs) One last note on the Celtics, though. One last note on the Celtics with Grant Williams. Amazing three-point shooter this year, 44% from deep and uh, 51.7 from corner threes, uh, and almost half of his threes come from the corner. So he has been doing very well in that aspect and and also you know, crashing the glass and, and helping them out in that regard. The thing I will say about James Hart is when... Jake Fisher Bleacher Report put out this kind of um, blow-by-blow timeline of Harden and his relationship with the Nets and how the whole deal went down. And this goes back to the beginning of the season. You go back to training camp, and it sounds like the team and um, Kevin Durant immediately knew, like, James is not the same guy as what we had last year. Um, when it comes to how serious he's taking this, he showed up and he was aloof and he was not in shape. And KD kind of thought like the entire season, like he's going to turn around, he's going to turn around. And it just never happened. And I think the disappointing thing in all of it too, is not just that Harden wanted out. It's that he wasn't in shape. He didn't take it as serious. He was pouting about different things. The stories about, um, clubbing, staying out super late, and the next game having a poor performance, which if you want to go out, you want to have a good time, good for you. But at the same time, if you're a professional and you're going to be on a championship team, then you got to be able to bring it the next game. And that was not happening. It says a lot that, you know, he says he has a, a hamstring injury and a lot of people with the team thought that it was not as severe as he was making it out to be. And you add all of this up, and he finally asks out and KD has to basically, you know, give his blessing on it, you know, saying, yep, I agree. It's time to move on. When is James Harden going to be happy? 
because here we go again, third team in three years. He's always wanting to move to a different spot. And he's got quite the reputation going with him where he might be the ultimate quitter because rather than kind of, you know, suiting up rather than staying with the situation and digging in, he's more apt to say, nope, this isn't working for anymore. I need to leave and go someplace else where I think I can win in a place where maybe I could be a better fit. And you can only do this so many times. I mean, now at this age and with this contract that's coming up, he can't do it again. He's going to, this is it. He's going to definitely opt into that option next year. He's already confirmed that uh, to the press when his first press conference happened uh, a couple days ago or yesterday, actually, I think it was Tuesday. Um, but I, I happen to agree with you. You know, you, you understand why, um, you know, he might want out of Brooklyn the way things had played out. But the thing is, this is, this is like you making your own bed, though. Like, if you look at the reports that were happening last year when he was trying to force his way out of Houston, the thing was to say, my first place, I need to get to Brooklyn. I need to get to Brooklyn. So now what? It's this year, it's I need to get to Philadelphia. I need to get to Philadelphia. How do you know that this doesn't happen again and again and again? And at what point are you like, all right, I'm good to settle in. I'm good to settle in here. Um, you don't want to satisfy for anything less than the best, but it seems like he he's looking for something that he can't find. And that that's tough to that's tough to kind of come to grips with. And you don't At know what, you don't know are what you he's going to do. Yeah, when does the point come where you have to hold yourself accountable for the situation? It feels like every time, like, nope, this isn't good for me. This isn't good for me. I need to go someplace else. Well, what point are you going to say, I've got to make it work here? Because you're at a point now where you're going to develop your reputation doing that. And you already have. He he already has. But he's already in his 30s. He's going to sign that, you know, he's going to opt in. And then he's going to sign an extension for big, big money. I mean, we're talking, what was it, like $230 million? And that's going to take him into his mid to to late 30s. And there's all these questions about how his game is going to age. If he's already not in shape for this season and didn't take it serious, what's going to happen coming up here? Are we going to continue to see that? Or are we going to get the James Harden that goes the same route as a Chris Paul or a Joel Embiid that says, I'm all in. I'm going to change my diet. I'm going to do all the things I need to do for this you know stage of my career so I can be all in. And he has shown... No signs that he's going to do any of that. Yeah. None. Yeah. I mean, we're sitting here talking about like he's got a hamstring injury and he's at this press conference yesterday and somebody asked him about it. He goes, no, my hamstring feels good. He went through this rigorous, you know, workout. And I'm not saying that like, I don't know how bad his hamstring got, but you're, I think you're allowed to raise the questions of how severe was it? Or could you have played through it? If there really was something going on when he's sitting out these games, but now his hamstring feels great. And that's why he's getting clowned by Charles Barkley and by Shaq and by the crew on TNT, you know, when they're making the all-star picks, you know, with KD and with uh, LeBron there. And Barkley's like, oh, man, he's fine. He's not injured. He just got traded. He'll put some icy hot on that. He'll be fine. Incredible segment, by the way. Uh, I was having amazing. A, I was having a, a very, very strenuous, stressful day on the day of the deadline. And that... NBA All-Star Draft with LeBron and KD, it, it immediately lifted my spirits. It, 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 that was one of the funniest things I've ever happened because that's one of those moments where you're like, 
this league. The way that Mark Stein puts it, right? This league. Only in this league can someone get traded the day of and then their teammate that they were supposedly having issues with behind the scenes have to be put in a position to where they were drafting them for their all-star team. Only KD, in this league. KD's a pretty stoic guy, but even he cracked a smile about He cracked a smile that. at the end. He did. He, he cracked and a LeBron smile played it perfect. LeBron's got a clipboard. He's trying to cover his face. He's laughing so hard because he knows. I'm like, and by the way, I love the people too. They're like, what's LeBron laughing about? Or why is he at the Super Bowl and dancing? Like uh, his team sucks this year. And like, so he's not allowed to have fun ever. This is like, what the hell? Media. He's like, it's social media. He's man. a human being. But it's just when it comes to Harden, it's just like, you better make this one work. And we have plenty of questions about how it's going to work with him and Embiid. You know, will they have good chemistry on the court? You know, not only just between those two, but with the rest of the team, we've is been going to do the things that's necessary, you know, because this is a championship quality team. And by the way, the clock is ticking on Embiid because we all worried about injuries with him. And he's, he's even said like, he doesn't want to play, you know, forever. He's not going to be a guy who plays late into his thirties. Like, and yeah. Longevity is you know, definitely a question uh, there. And I think that's why Daryl Morey did what he did. By the way, Daryl, you were right. Good job though. You know, if, if he was right, you did get somebody really good uh, for Ben Simmons. So holding out, yeah, for he it. got the guy that he wanted. That was his number one guy. His number one guy was James Harden all along. They I mean, they we, are very tight. Let's we just talked say that. about we talked about Damian Lillard. We talked about Bradley Beal, but they were not choice A, numero uno. That was James Harden all along. And their and their careers are going to be tied to each other for eternity at this point. Um, it, but the Harden better fit. win here. He, he better win a championship here because um, if he does not win a championship, I can only imagine what the rep is going to be like for him as a player in his career. Agreed. Agreed. And I mean, that's just something you have to live with. And maybe he's okay with that. You know, again, we've, we've mentioned it before. Not everybody has the same priorities. Uh, but if you're looking from a championship winning perspective, yeah, you're not cutting it right now. That's just you're what not it is. thinking about that when it's one o'clock in the morning. You're at the club and the booze is flowing and the money is flying. And the girls are dancing. There's a lot of other things going in your mind. Then, ah, damn, what does so and so think about me and my career? Yeah. Well, <laughs> some people operate differently. You just got to find that work life balance. You know what I'm saying, Brian? Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but the on court fit, we've talked about it a little bit. Uh, in the past, so I'll just kind of, uh, you know, in a little summation here. I don't know how it works with Embiid. Embiid's very ball dominant. We know that James Harden does not play off the ball. Um, he's somebody that demands the ball in his hands uh, to be effective, and he is very effective with the ball in his hands. But Joel Embiid's not exactly a screen-setting, roll, uh, rim-running, uh, rolling, uh, you know, lob big. That's just not the way Embiid plays. Embiid is good when you get to the ball in the post. He's got his back to the basket, or when he's breaking people down off the dribble because he can basically handle it like a guard. So I want to see how Doc Rivers kind of utilizes this. Is he going to stagger them? Because he hasn't staggered people in the past and people giving him plenty of crap for it. Uh, or is he going to try and make somebody do something out of their comfort zone? Because you have two elite offensive talents there, okay? And you have, obviously, an elite defensive talent in Joel Embiid on the other end, too. Elite two-way talent that should be in the MVP lead at the moment. But when you look at the fit... I don't know how you make it work between the two, at least right away, as a uh, a duo. So I'm curious about that. You're going to need Tobias Harris to really step up. You're going to need Danny Green to really step up. Shake Milton, Matisse Thibel. These guys are going to have to learn how to shoot 
because you traded away Seth Curry. Seth Curry was the top three-point shooter you had on your team and the most reliable. Tyrese Maxey, maybe you're going to have to learn how to shoot a little bit more too. Like, these are going to be the roles that are altered because of Harden coming in, which it's going to happen for every team that acquires a superstar like that. But again, I raise this point. When has it worked midseason, a trade for a superstar to add to a core, and they won that year? I would love to know. I don't think it happens. You obviously had to do something for Simmons, and you had to you know, find a way to, to get a deal done, and you did. But you also lost one of your best shooters, and you lost one of your best backup bigs. And now you're depending on George Niang and potentially Paul Millsap to be the ones to spell Embiid. So I don't like it. The closest one that I can think of off the top of my head where a team won but didn't win the championship that year was when Pau Gasol got traded from the Grizzlies to the Lakers. Okay. Because that trade happened on February 1st, right. 2008. Yep. That, that would make sense. That would make sense. And by the, by the way, um, I said Maxi has to learn how to shoot. I mean, be a catch shooter, really. Because um, that's not really his bag. He's somebody that attacks off the dribble and stuff. So you have George Niang and Furkan Korkmaz, who are going to be your main guys, and Danny Green. Uh, but Seth Curry, that's huge to, to not have to space the floor. Like, that's a big-time piece. And you saw it, too, with Brooklyn in his debut. Dropped 23. Looks that was great. a big loss. I I was I knew that they had to give up something, and they didn't want to give up Maxi, and they didn't want to give up Thibel. I really thought the other piece they were going to give up was Danny Green, but it sounds like Seth Curry was the guy that they had kind of all agreed on. You know, going back to a couple of days before the trade actually got executed, and I was like, man, that's that's a big loss because I mean his his chemistry that he had with Embiid was fantastic. And Curry is just one of those guys that kind of fits in on just about every team and everybody always needs shooting, but they were, they were willing to give that up along with the picks to, to get their guy. Yeah, they, they were. And rightfully so. I mean, you had to find a way to do it. So that's why, that's why it makes it such a difficult situation. And you look at the flip side of this deal, right? So Ben Simmons uh, gets what he wants. He gets over to Brooklyn. Uh, he makes his first media appearance. He, um, you know, seems to be in a really solid place, um, which good, good for him mentally. Like I, I hope that that is something that takes it off of his hands because you know after that playoff, you know how Philly fans can get after that. Yes, he made the wrong decision, and yes, he probably didn't act the right way afterwards. But he's not the only one at fault, as I've mentioned a hundred times out of a hundred on this. And we can finally talk about Ben Simmons because he got traded. And I'm not, you know, uh, you know, tired of talking about it. Because now he's in a new situation. He's going to have a teammate in Kevin Durant that's going to be perfect for his strengths. Uh, when, Ke- when Kyrie Irving can play, he can absolutely play off the ball uh, when Ben Simmons has the ball in his hands. I think it's an excellent fit. I think that they absolutely crushed the deal. I think in transition, they're going to be one hell of a uh, load to handle. I think... Uh, the size and the ranginess that they have added to this now uh, is tremendous. I really like the move for Brooklyn. I think it really works out. And defensively, they're going to be a lot better. I think so, too. I think he fills in a lot of the gaps that they needed. And, you know, obviously he's not going to have the shooting, but he doesn't have to worry about it as much once you have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on the court. Problem there is, obviously, KD's not coming back for a couple weeks. Kyrie's only playing on the road right now. But 
you know, when they have everybody there and now with Seth Curry, who can make up for some of that shooting that they're losing when it comes to Harden plus they don't have, you know, Joe Harris. So, I mean, I think the Curry part is going to be a big part of it as well. And I want to see how it all works because Ben can kind of be this five tool defender, you know, a guy that can go and defend anybody on the court. He can do a lot of help defense. They could go small and play him at the center. That's what I was thinking. Go, I was thinking the they, same thing. They can go big if they want. But I mean, imagine a lineup where he's playing center and KD's at the four. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, it, there's, there's, there's a lot of different there. things. And you they have can Drummond. Do. You have Drummond you could throw in there. Um, obviously, I mentioned before, Seth Curry's there. Uh, they've definitely gotten better with this deal by addressing some gaps that they've had. And, um, you know, they're three games over 500. They're still in this, like, hunt going on right now. They're at the eighth seed. But, again, it's so bunched up there that they could be the fifth seed by, I don't know, uh, the end of March. or, or the. But didn't you, you know, see, like, even in that first game that they played, and they no KD, and obviously Ben's not playing, and didn't it feel like a cloud was lifted? A weight lifted off the shoulders. Yeah, playing that's together. what I mean. Cloud weight. Yeah, but it looked like, it just looked like we've turned the page and... You know, the trade deadline is behind us. Let's move on. It's, you know, a new dawn. And, you know, they played freer. And let's see what happens when they get everybody back on the court. I mean, I, I think it's something, too, that, you know, it's good to hear from Ben Simmons and talk about mental health and everything that went on, you know, with him. But he wants to get back at the court. He's talking about, like, we could be scary, which, okay, well, let, let's see what happens. I'm, I'm glad that he's up. Same that words optimistic. that were used by James Harden, by the way. So let's not mm-hmm. get ahead of ourselves now, Mr. Ben. <laughs> but KD is not expected to come back until after the All-Star break. So we got a few weeks there. And it sounds like Simmons is trying to gear up for March 10th as well. And the significance of that date is that's when the Sixers play the Nets. Mm. In Philly be, or in Brooklyn? I got to look that up here real quick because... Um, because will he play that game is the question. He says he wants to play that game. Wow. And I'm just like, ooh, okay. Um, here we go. March 10th, Brooklyn at Philadelphia. Unbelievable. Woo. Only in this league. Again, only in this damn league. It's, are it's they going to have a? Are, are they going to have one of those three minute videos for the first time um, time outbreak that they'll have? I mean, for ben they Simmons? better give him a tribute. I don't care how much they're booing. Like, they got to give the kid a tribute. What if he outplays hard in that game? I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. Honestly, you can mark me down for that one. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what their minutes load is at that point too. I I'm I, I want to see Ben back on the court and I want to see how he fits with this. So I'm I'm really curious to see how the Nets are going to be. But I I just think that now that they've gotten past the whole drama when it comes to James Harden, I think they could be a different team. And I want to see what happens with Philly now because like they've turned the corner as well. They've gotten past the whole drama with Ben Simmons, but we're all very curious to see how James Harden is going to fit in with Joel Embiid now. Yes, so I think we all are. Um, special shout out to, to Cam Thomas certified bucket I'm watching this kid go to work right now. And, uh, when he's had a higher role and he's been playing these big minutes, uh, over his last six games, he's been playing over 30 minutes a night and he's averaging 21.7 points 
on 50% from the field. He is not afraid to shoot that basketball, uh, which is fun to watch. I know they've dropped five out of their last six. Uh, much more than that, actually. They've dropped ooh, it's tough. 11 out of their last 12, but they got off the schneid against uh, Sacramento. Um, but he's been fun to watch. I'm enjoying watching uh, Cam Thomas as an offensive player. Every time he touches the ball, I'm not kidding you, he shoots. It's 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 kind of funny, um, but he's he's not been afraid to to definitely get into the mix. It's what there. he wants to do and what they've given him the green light to do. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, let's take a quick break here. Tell you about Prize Picks, our friends. All users that deposit and use the promo code News on Prize Picks will receive a 100 percent instant deposit match up to one hundred dollars. So make sure you sign up at the link, which is app.prizepicks.com. Brian. Not been a fruitful, fruitful season for your boy here. Uh, you I, won last week. You won last week. Did I? I thought I pushed because someone got you hurt. won. Here's the thing. So last week you did a three pick, you know, power play. You hit on two. The third one was Patrick Beverly. He did not play. But instead of winning five times the amount you would have won, you won three times the amount that you played. So you did win. All right. Okay. So that's, that's what happens when they do a DMP. They just they just decrease the odds of what you or, or the percentage you win. So instead of getting a five time, you won a three time. Okay. All right. We'll take it. We're victors then. Let's go for the winning streak. Go ahead. Uh, let's let's tell you about our picks tonight. Uh, I will start right here. Tyrese Halliburton, the brand new Indiana Pacer. We'll talk a little bit about that after this. But over 29 and a half points, rebounds, and assists against the Washington Wizards. That's one of my picks. Another one of my picks, Rudy Gobert. I thought this was a very low number. 26-point rebounds and assists against the Los Angeles Lakers. And the third, we were going with Domas Sabonis against the Chicago Bulls at 8.10 p.m. on Wednesday night. 35.5 points, rebounds, and assists. Coming off not that great of a game. Um, so I think that he's due and... Uh, the Bulls haven't been defending well lately. They've been playing good basketball, but they haven't been defending well lately. So we'll see if uh, you know Sabonis kind of bounces back and gets to that 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 moment to where he uh, first played his his Kings game and he had 22, 14, and five. I'm expecting something like that against Chicago and a familiar opponent that he obviously remembers from the Central Division. I'm going to play it a little bit more basic. I am sticking with just points. A mine. You're no fun. I have. Buddy healed against the Wizards, 17 and a half points. Buddy's been uh, shooting lights out as of late. And assisting, so feel- and assisting, guys. He's been playmaking. He's averaging over four assists. He's shooting the lights out like Brian's talking about. Uh, Buddy looks like he's had a weight lifted off of his shoulders, uh, not to interrupt, but, uh, you know, a cool 21 and a half points a game, 37% from deep on 11.7 three-pointers a night uh, over the last three games. Good for him, man. See what happens in your free buddy. 39 minutes uh, a night, too, by the way. <laughs> wow. That's ridiculous. Um, I also have Scotty Barnes with the uh, Raptors taking on the T-Wolves. He's at 14 and a half. And I'm piggybacking on you just a little bit. I also have DeMontis Sabonis, but only for the points, over 18 and a half as they take on the Bulls. Okay. We've got them set. Got the prize picks set. So remember, guys, that's promo code news on prize picks. All users that deposit and use that promo code will receive a 100% instant deposit matched up to $100. So make sure you sign up. We sent you. 
Other stuff that we can get to here. Just mention it. Just real quick. Why not? We just talked about it. Uh, they were part of our prize picks. But the Indiana and Sacramento swap. Giant, giant blockbuster that we talked about last week. But now that we've seen it on the floor, I'm interested in Sabonis and Fox. Sabonis is being a playmaker. Middle of the floor. Finding guys that are running off of screens and kind of, you know, moving off ball. It's fun. And De'Aaron Fox, can we talk about how good De'Aaron Fox has been since that trade? It looks like he's rejuvenated. He looks like what he looked like last year and the year before that. Like, I again, I never have lost hope in De'Aaron Fox. I've been trying to tell you guys he's an amazing player, averaging 27 points, five rebounds, four assists on 49% from the field and shooting 42% from deep and 20 field goal attempts a game. De'Aaron could play the game of basketball, guys. So that first game that Sabonis played in, there was a clip going around where the Kings had so much ball movement that the ball never touched the ground and there was like eight passes or something. It was crazy. It was just like, is this the Spurs? Wait, no, that's the Sacramento Kings. <laughs> <laughs> Swipe was good, man. Swipe was good. And he's playing. I like that they acquired Justin Holiday. I think Dante DiVincenzo is one of the highest IQ players they've had in years. I like it. I I know that the championship isn't a play-in tournament, but at least it could show you some damn progress or you would go somewhere. I know it's tough to find your way there right now because you're so dug deep into this hole, but the possibility remains. So we'll see. They're only two and a half out of the 10 spot. So it, it's not an impossible task. And, you know, I, I feel a little bad for Harrison Barnes that for the um, 18th straight season, we've talked about him trying to get out of Sacramento and he's still there. Um, but maybe it's a little bit of a better fit now with everybody in that you don't have three point guards. I think that the roles are defined a little bit more and you've got a playmaking big guy that can also make shots and can do a lot of different things. So it's a little bit of a different dynamic. And, you know, I'm not saying like they're any close to a championship team, especially you know, uh, when you're in the same conference as, you know, the Phoenix Suns and the Golden State Warriors. But, you know, they gave up a lot to get a piece, but it's a piece that's already an all-star and brings a different dynamic to your team. And so far, it's it's been pretty interesting to see how they've all worked, and we'll see what happens after they've developed some more chemistry. Certainly. And on the uh, Pacers side of this, just watching Halliburton go to work has been fun. Uh, they haven't been able to stack up W's the way uh, that you you had anticipated, you know, kind of that honeymoon phase, uh, if you will. Uh, but they have been playing more freely. Um, they've they've looked like uh, they've also kind of had a, a weight lifted off their shoulders because they've not not from a perspective of you know Domas was weighing them down like in a bad way, um, you know, behind the scenes. But the way that this team hasn't rebuilt in a long time, so you know they're just kind of letting the young guys go out there and do their thing. Obviously, Buddy Heald's got the the green light doing what he wants. Um, but I think, you know, you look at guys like O'Shea Brissett, you look at guys like Terry Taylor, that's that's my dude, uh, Cam's uh, guy. Uh, he's been playing really well. Um, you know, Jalen Smith, what an underrated little acquisition this was uh, to figure out uh, a role for him or potentially, you know, for him to just make some money in the offseason. I think that's awesome. Uh, so I, I believe that, you know, Duarte didn't play last game, but uh, they've they've at least exhibited some life, if you will. Um, and and yeah, it's got to get better at the defensive end. And 
you, you're not going to be a finished product there, uh, especially when you don't have Miles Turner and you don't have, you know, your usuals like TJ McConnell. Isaiah Jackson was out against the Bucks. Uh, you obviously have to get healthy with TJ Warren. That's another one. Um, but they have like a new direction and that's kind of, that's got to be a little exciting for them. Well, the big thing is that like, they're not, I wouldn't say they're purposely tanking, but they obviously don't have the pieces between all the injuries and everything going on to where they're going to win. And they're fine with that this year because it's all about, you know, we've made our big trade when it comes to getting Halliburton. And now it's going to be, what our draft position is going to be and what moves are going to make in the offseason because they do have tradable pieces when it comes to Brogdon and when it comes to TJ Warren. And, you know, they've already moved off Karis Levert. So we'll see what other moves, but I mean, they have the flexibility to do a lot of different things between the players they have and the salaries they're on, which are manageable salaries, and with the draft capital that they'll probably have. So while the Pacers aren't a team that are used to tanking, shall we say, and it's been what is it, 20 years since they've had a team that was in the lottery uh, or a pick that was in the lottery that they're going to have a pick in the lottery now or in the top 10. That's that's what the stat is. It's been forever since they've had a, a pick in the top 10. So they're finally going to have that and that's what they need right now. So it's like, let's play through this. Let's see if we can develop a little bit of chemistry and see how Halliburton, you know, does as the lead point guard of a team. And then let's take that into next season and see what we can do um, during the off season and, and what other players we can get and trying to build something here. Good on them. You know, you're good on them for doing that. Let's check in on some other trades that happened uh, after our last podcast, the ones that actually happened on deadline day. That Wizards and Mavs deal was interesting. However, however, I think Dallas, you know, Davis Bertans looked pretty solid in that game against the Heat yesterday, a 107-99 win, by the way. Luka has just been setting the world on fire, by the way. He had this ridiculous pass uh, cross-court. He was dribbling, uh, kept a Haim dribble, uh, jump pass kind of over behind his head uh, to the other side of the floor uh, to where I believe it was either Bertans or Kleba that knocked down a three from there. But Luka's just been on this tear as of late. Uh, We kind of mentioned that on the podcast uh, I know he didn't particularly have a great um, shooting night against the Heat, but uh, it's through the assists, it's through uh, grabbing boards, uh, setting teammates up. He's just a, he's been a marvel, um, and he he won Player of the Week. He's the reigning Player of the Week because he averaged forty three points a night, <laughs> which is stupid. Um, but just looking from the the Mavs side of this deal, so basically. The thought is you break up Kristaps Porzingis' terrible contract into two bad contracts. Uh, is I'm thinking the, essentially the the thought, and you look at you know Spencer Dinwiddie as being insurance in case Jalen Brunson does get that giant payday that they can't match. Thought Dinwiddie looked pretty decent last night. You know, dished out five assists. Um, you know, he was able to you know set some guys up. Uh, you look at Bertans, and immediately when he hit the floor, he already matched his uh, his season high. Uh, for the, the the year uh, that he had with the Wizards uh, and had 12 points and knocked down three triples. So uh, you have that. You look at, oh, my God, Maxi Kleba uh, in that game specifically against the Heat last night, down the stretch defensively, had a chase down block. He had a block on an alley-oop to Bam Adebayo that just absolutely jaw-dropped me. I didn't know how the hell he did that. Um, but this is what the MO for the Mavs has been this year is the defense of this team 
And, uh, you know, that identity stays. Yeah, you lose Christoph Porzingis. He was getting you some blocks, and he was okay uh, being a rim protector. But it's the perimeter defense and guys not being able to penetrate that's really, really been huge for this team. And, uh, again, you look at Bertans. He came out with some comments, kind of taking some shots at the Wizards, how nobody's staring at each other for playing time and inconsistent roles and whatnot. Uh, so Berton seems happy. I'm sure Dinwiddie's kind of relieved to be out of the situation uh, in D.C., and he still got paid. So you have that, and add that to Doncic and Bronson, and they've they've got some good things going. I'm going to be curious to see, especially when it comes to Dinwiddie and what he does there, because it sure sounded like he did not um, he did not fit in well with everybody else. I think he thought like, hey, this is going to be kind of my team with with you know, Bradley. And, um, that was not the case. And I don't think a lot of people looked at it that way. And it sounds like he didn't exactly integrate himself with his teammates greatly, um, with the wizards, but now he's moved on. And like you said, it's, you know, it's, it's a two for one here. The Mavericks get off the Porzingis trade or, or Porzingis salary. And he's still got two years left on his deal. And the price they paid was, they have a third, you know, an extra year with uh, Bertans out of this because Dinwiddie's up in two, and then you've got Bertans is up in three. But it's kind of one of those things where, like, hey, let's bring them in here. Let's see how they fit. These are more manageable contracts. And I think a lot of it was it's just time we get Porzingis off this team. And it's not just a salary thing, which obviously was a part of it. But I think a lot of it was we just need to get him out of here. And we've, we've tried to make this work in so many different ways. And he had played better this year. But I think they just came to the realization or just knew he's never going to have chemistry with Luca. It's not going to work. Let's bite the bullet now and get off of this rather than having to wait. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did. No, it is. It is what they did. And here's the thing, too. Uh, before the season started, everyone was talking about how you know, Kevin Love was the worst contract or whatever like that. And I said it was Davis Bertans. I still believe that, but I will say this. His style is much more fitting in Dallas with, with Luka penetrating and kicking. Okay? Davis can light it up as a standstill shooter. We got it. We know this. We've seen this before. So this fit is there. So I'm sure that they'll utilize that um, with him over on the, the elbows. And he's not afraid to shoot when he has a consistent role. So we'll see how that develops. And then hopefully Dinwiddie fits in really nicely with that backup uh, unit. And um, again, I think, I think Dallas is finding a little bit of something here. So, and then the flip side over to DC Porzingis. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I mean, I like Kristaps. I think offensively, he's actually been a little better than, than some have pegged him for, uh, and, you know, the, the Wizards, they, they lost Aaron Holiday. They, uh, you know, traded away Montrez Harrell. They got Ish Smith, Mr. Wizard, back in the picture, if you remember the playoffs last year, or the play-in tournament, I should say. But this is an interesting dynamic. I don't know if he's the guy to put with Bradley Beal. I don't know. Positive, the positives for Washington right now is that Denny Avdia is taking more of a responsibility on the offensive end. He's obviously always been playing solid defense, but he's not been afraid to attack and to shoot. Corey Kispert's also getting some very meaningful reps out of this as a rookie. So that's good. But I'm just... I can't imagine going to Beal in the offseason going, 
hey, man, we want to keep you here. We're building something. And you and Porzingis, that could be a thing. I'm like, I, I don't know if that's really a selling point. He's still young, but it's just the it's the injury history. And it's just the it's the overall fit, you know, like. I feel like it. He's not it's the injuries, really a spacing but also he, guy. Or, I mean, he, he hasn't been a spacing guy, but he hasn't been consistent enough as a shooter as well. And yes. that's the whole thing that we thought like this, this, year from three. this dude is going to be lights out from deep and he's going to be a defender and he's, you know, seven foot three and can do so many different things on both ends of the court. And he's played better this year, but it's just not enough. It's it's he hasn't panned out to what we thought because of the injuries. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I would agree on that. So, uh, other trade that we didn't talk about too was the uh, the Pelicans Portland deal, where uh, CJ McCollum is now in New Orleans, and Portland got Josh Hart, and um, Portland ironically has been on a nice little run here. Uh, Ant Simons just firing it up, <laughs> no regard. Uh, Thirty one points the other night. Josh Hart had a beautiful debut and uh, has played well for them so far. How much money is Simon's going to get in the offseason? How much are the Blazers going to give that dude? He's an extension eligible. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the guy that you're going to pair next to Damian Lillard, right? I don't yep. think you're dangling him. No, no, no. They're going to they're gonna lock him up. There, there's no way they're going to let that that guy get loose. Sure. I mean, they they have a qualifying offer on him next year for five 5.7. Okay. They're going to extend him. Can't give you a number. I'm not sure, <laughs> but uh, I don't think he gets a max. No, no, you can't give him a max. Does he get 25 per? I think that's reasonable. I think somewhere between that 22 to 25. That's probably reasonable. Like a four year, $90 million deal. And there's probably uh partial guarantee in the fourth year of like 10 mil or something like that. That would probably make sense. I mean, you just look at the splits too, from when he's started to, to play. If you look at how he does um, when he has the ball in his hands and he's got more responsibility, right? January and February uh, averaging over 23 a game. Um, he's also playmaking for them. He's not afraid to pull up from three. He's able to get to the basket. I think that uh, he's he's been really solid just kind of as a facilitator, is, is, I think is the word that I'm looking for. And um, he's able to score, uh, you know, 30 just like that. And um, it's good to see because I've been waiting for this. I've been waiting for this. I know that Gary Trent Jr. is no longer there, which sucks because I saw him and Gary Trent tear it up at Summer League. Uh, a few years ago, but he's just been waiting for opportunity. He got an, an opportunity now, and uh, you know he's running with it. But uh, this Blazers team, uh, they're definitely trying to to prove that they're they're doing something uh, the right way. After everybody's pointing and laughing at them for the deals that they've made, uh, and Ant over the last three games has just been on a tear. So you know, good for him. And you know, Josh Hart's looks tremendous in his two games. Justice Winslow's shown us a little bit of something. Hopefully he can stay healthy. That dude can never stay healthy. He's a solid, solid IQ. I want to see more out of Justice Winslow. Um, but I'm loving the opportunities you're seeing for CJ Ellaby to get some minutes. And Greg Brown, uh, you know, Blevins had a big moment against uh, the Lakers, uh, as I'm sure you're aware, last week that w- was huge 
uh, probably for his confidence. So like all of these guys that don't usually get this time, you know, Elijah Hughes, uh, Ben McLemore's had to step up. Trendon Watford, the rookie on the two-way. These are guys that are, are going to benefit from this. And although the basketball world is unsure of what they're doing, they just wanted to clear some cap space and they're going to reassess in the offseason. That's how I see this unfolding. Yeah, that's probably what's going to happen. But this offseason is going to be wild. <laughs> and and how about how about how about the Pelicans too? I mean, uh, I I know they lost to the Grizzlies last night, but the Grizzlies Grizzlies are also on j- just so so in tune right now. But the the Pelicans we mentioned before how they started off really really crappy and then they've they've picked it up. Well, now you have CJ McCollum in that mix that's going to be a part of your young core with him and Brandon Ingram and possibly Zion Williamson. Uh, we saw the, the news on Zion. I'm sure that you're going to want to get to that. But just for for, for CJ, I'm sure he's happy, uh, you know, to have a, a fresh team to start on. And he's not been bashful uh, to get to his spots, pull up uh, mid-range shots, uh, you know, involve his teammates. I think he's a really good fit next to Ingram, actually, because Ingram's been doing more playmaking. You can read about that on basketballnews.com. Jackson Frank did a great article on that. But I think uh, CJ, he's still in his prime. You know, he's 30. He's probably at that age where the decline is probably going to happen in, in two or three years. But he's still got two or three good years in basketball in him, like, at this level, I think. And uh, he's just someone that can flat-out score. So I don't mind the gamble there. No, I don't mind it either. You know, when it comes to the news about Zion, I mean, this is kind of what we feared all, you know, all along, is that the word is that he might need another surgery on his foot. That would be... Yet another surgery on his lower body since going back to college, which is scary. Very. And we thought he was going to miss the entire season. It just kind of, as the season has gone on, it just seemed more and more likely it was going to happen. And now, regardless if he needs another surgery or not, he's going to miss the entire season. So it's all about getting his feet right, getting his health right, um, getting his weight down, and getting him ready to begin next season. I just... The thing about Zion, and I understand that, you know, he has a certain way that he has to play to to succeed in this league. But when he plays that way, he's damn good and damn dominant. But I, I just kind of cringe at the the discourse of, of people that are like, ha, oh, he's a bust, he's a bust, when we know how good he is. And he just can't stay on the floor. Which, it, it's heartbreaking to me because... You saw all the hype around the Duke game. You saw hype around him in high school, how he played in the NBA. He was playing against legitimate NBA competition and just bowling through these people. And yet he just can't stay on the floor. So people are going to point and say, oh, he's a bust. I don't think that's necessarily fair. Um, but this is, this is absolutely concerning uh, for the Pelicans if this surgery is needed. Uh, it will probably eliminate him from the season. And you have to think about next season already again because they're, the surgeries are just piling up on each other, which that has to just absolutely make you feel sick as a, as a Pelicans fan. But the team itself, uh, in his absence, I think, is doing a, guy, a good job of, of kind of holding it down. And, uh, you know, they have Brandon Ingram. You have C.J. McCollum now. So you're not going to be a bottom feeder, I don't think. And, you know, you have, you know, JV. We'll see what happens with Devontae Graham. He's really struggled here as of late. But 
you have you have a caliber team that that's doing good things. And again, my weekly shout out goes to Herb Jones. That dude's really fun. He I know you want to get. I know. Amazing. I know what you want to get to. Though. No, no, no. He, no, but Herb Jones. I mean, you want to talk about a guy that has just fit in with the team and done all the dirty work and everything. And when it comes to the defense, that dude can play. Like he's got to be. Is he first team all rookie? Uh, I mean, you, you kind of have to put him on first team all rookie, I think, and I think you have to, you have to consider all defense. <laughs> By, you do honestly. I I know he's a rookie, but I think you have to consider that. Um, and, and the fun part too about Herb too is is he's been putting it on the floor more, and uh, that's that's another part of his game that's completely opening up, and uh, he's just getting started. So it, it's fun to see him kind of blossoming in that way. What a steal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, really I mean, that's, well done. That's, like, that's good scouting. That, that is by, by far the best thing that has happened to the Pelicans all season long. Mm-hmm. No, I think, I think uh, picking up Herb Jones, I think JV has had a, uh, a good season, and I think that he's got to be more valued um, in, the, in the space of our uh, discourse. I would love to see them get Trey Murphy more time and a more consistent role. Just because you know where this team is right now. I don't need to see what we got from, from Garrett Temple more than Trey Murphy. If, you, if you've swapped his 20 minutes with, with Trey's 12 minutes, then sure. Because you obviously have to play your, your vets. This is how it goes. But, uh, yeah, otherwise, I think that Willie Green's done a solid job. And uh, it's, it's been fun to watch this Pelicans team rebound from the way they started. And they're still right there on the cusp of getting into the play-in. They we'll are. See. I mean, they're they're only a game behind the Blazers. Mm-hmm. They are. They're 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 chasing. So, they're chasing. There's there's a lot of good teams that are considered like at the bottom here that that could make their way up. Uh, like I look at Minnesota. They just had a really solid uh, overtime win against uh, the the Hornets, who have been sliding. By the way, Cat um, looked magnificent. Uh, I I, I want to see that cat every night. He was just playing like a bully. And and when cat plays like a bully and then he gets his outside game going, you're not stopping him. He's just too that big. Team, He's too good. That, if that team could just play a little bit better defense. Agreed. Just a little and bit they better. Were, they were in like late November and the December, and then it kind of just fell off a little bit. But the reason being, it could have been because Pat Bev wasn't there. And Pat Bev is the heart of this team. He just earned a one-year extension. That's that's the important of those vets, guys, by the way. And Pat, Pat's being huge for this team. We talked about D'Angelo uh, a podcast or two ago that, that he's been playing well, and we, we obviously know what uh, Anthony Edwards brings to the table. But you just look at the heart of this team, and you, you see Pat Bev. And he's the one that riles these guys up. He's the one that always is getting into people's shirts and – that kind of attitude permeates throughout this team. You have your Jaden McDaniels that plays really good. Jared Vanderbilt, unsung hero of this team. So I I think that Minnesota is really building and establishing a good thing there. And they're sitting right there at the seventh spot right behind Denver. And I think we're just waiting to see if Anthony Edwards could make a jump still this season. Is that well he's played? And now Malik Beasley is actually starting to mm-hmm. play well because he struggled for most of the first half of the season. But over the last about three weeks, he's really started to pick it up. His shooting has come back. So 
been that that's been just sorely missed on this team. Yes, yes. And you know, I I look at at the the Wolves and I just I like to see them succeed just cuz you know, you root for a guy like Cat um but they they've put together this like the right way organically. Um, you know, I think they found their head coach. I just I enjoy watching the Wolves play. Uh, I obviously have a a, a fascination with the Northwest Division, <laughs> the Nuggets. I'm I'm still like, man, they're gonna get Jamal Murray back. They could get Michael Porter Jr. back, and we're just forgetting about them. Uh, that's that's kind of hilarious to me. Utah's been on a winning streak because you know Mitchell's back and Gobert just came back. Mitchell just went on record talking about how they're go, they're okay, him and Gobert. Um, so they're they've got good vibes going. There's a lot of good stuff going on. Um, but yeah, that that who who the Wolves beat the Charlotte. Whew, I watched that. Their defense has completely gone down the toilet. I don't know. They they don't put any ball pressure on you other than maybe Miles Bridges. Um, they've been sorely missing Gordon Hayward. Uh, they have a lack of a rim protector. They don't give second efforts on the defensive end, and that's killing them. Um, they they were at the beginning of the year thought to be one of like a lock for a play and a playoff team, and they are just going all the way down while the the Hawks are soaring up. They just beat the Cavs last night. Really impressive performance on the offensive end. Let's see what Montrezl Harrell can can bring to that team because he's an energy guy that can get some rebounds and you know, do a lot of different things. He's he's more of a regular season guy, but that's what they need right now is they need to get somebody to kind of light a fire and play with a little bit more energy. And Harold can do that. And that's what they went out and get him. So let's see if, you know, what kind of uh, energy he can bring to that team. I mean, dude, like it, they've been bleeding. <laughs> they've been bleeding defensively. Like I'm just looking at this. I don't, I don't see a, a, a double digit number for 15 games, 14 games. That's not going to get it done. Not going to get it done, guys. Well, they've lost, was it, eight of their last nine? Yeah, eight of their last nine, including, well, they, you know, they've given up, like you said, it's triple digits everywhere. But they, the one win that they did have was against the Pistons, where they put up 141, but they gave up 119 in that game. <laughs> so Jeez. weird. It's so weird. It's so weird. So, well, how about the, I love, you go back a couple weeks, they beat the, they gave up 126 points to the Pacers, but they won because they scored 158. <laughs> it's an odd, it's an odd, odd uh, league, I think. It's odd. I think you and I could have each put up 10 in that game. <laughs> maybe, maybe, Brian. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> all right, let's, let, let's wrap it up with your Lakers. I know we didn't get to the Cavs, but I've talked about them all year. And you can find my, my guest spot over on the Points Paint podcast. I talked about them at length uh, with stadiums. Ben Wittenstein and and Zach Badgerhouse. So you can go listen to that if you want my thoughts on the Cavs. Uh, but I know you are dying to get to your Lakers on this storyline. Uh, not so. really. I, I just put it up there because, I mean, it's the Lakers and people always want to talk about but it. It's, but it, it's pertinent information, though. It is. It is. I mean, it's it's notable that they did not make a deal before the deadline. And it sounds like... uh management ownership might be on a different page than their star players. Cause if you go in the off season and it was LeBron and AD that went out and met with uh, Russell Westbrook, Damian Lillard, DeMar DeRozan, 
they went out, talked with these guys, recruited all these guys, went back to Rob Polinka and said, we want Russ, we can make it fit. And Polinka said, sure, let's do it. So they made the deal. And then now those guys apparently told Polinka here at the trade deadline, like, man, we got to make moves. I mean, they lost a horrible game to the Blazers, you know, a week ago. And LeBron's sitting there talking about like, you know, we're not good enough. Or it was even the night before they played the Bucks and they got blown out. But they were, you know, they're between those two games, they're like, we're not good enough. We're not on that level. We got to make changes, all these different things. And then Rob Polinka just said, we're not going to do it. You know, they didn't do anything. And then when he's talking after the deadline, he goes, Hey, I consulted with AD and LeBron and we're all on the same page. And then the story comes out from Dave McMenamin of ESPN, who's just plugged into the Lakers as anybody going, no, that's not the case. AD and LeBron, they wanted moves. They, they, they were, there were, there were moves that could have happened and did not happen. And they were not thrilled. So, you know, I, I know LeBron is not going to get traded everybody and he's got a year left, but, um, I guess they just felt good enough about everything saying we're not going to do it. And, and more of the fall of this is that the Lakers just do not want to add any more salary. They don't want to add any more tax to what they have going on right now. And basically they have told this team, especially when it comes to their stars, this is what you wanted. Make it work. And it sure sounds like the Russ experiment. Now, mind you, a lot can change between now and next season. But it sounds like they are prepared to go into next season with Russell Westbrook still a part of this team. And they will say, like, you know, we haven't had enough practice time with Russ. You know, LeBron and AD and Russ haven't played that much this season. Um, Russ is just now adjusting his games. He's being held more accountable for everything. Um, we haven't given him... Uh, we haven't put him in a position to where he feels comfortable enough. There's all these different things that are going on. And they played better in the one game they played past the uh, trade deadline against the Warriors. Now, mind you, they lost that game. And they looked better. Um, but that was just a one-game thing. So let's not and just the say, oh, the Lakers. And the Warriors defense has been very, very yeah. bad here as of late. And if you look at that game, too, in the fourth quarter, um, LeBron and AD could not hit a shot. Both were spent in... Both had good games leading up to that, especially LeBron, but then in the fourth quarter, they couldn't hit a shot, and the Lakers couldn't hit free throws. Um, and they could not stop Klay Thompson, who was incredible if you watch him in that game. It was it was uh, old Clay just putting on a show. It was amazing. But you talk about, like, the Lakers are one of these signature franchises throughout the entire world in any sports league. And the owners are worried about taking on extra money for tax. You know, they're, 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 they're watching the bottom line, which is just incredible when you look at it because look at the, the sheet for Joe Lacob and then get back to me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I understand that when it comes to like Joe Lacob made his money elsewhere, some other owners, you know, they've made their money elsewhere. These billionaires, you know, whether you talk about Mark Cuban or Lacob or whoever, you know, uh, Balmer, when it comes to the Lakers and the Buss family, they made their money outside of when Dr. Jerry Buss was the owner and he made all his money in real estate. But the Buss family, they make their money on the Lakers. That's it. So it's run a little bit more like a mom and pop shop in some ways. And 
you have to question some of the different things from the standpoint of how far do you want to go money wise? Do you guys know what you're doing? Is there some of these things a little bit more personal than business decisions? Because we've talked about this before about how Kurt and Linda Rambus still have high up positions with that uh, organization because they're super friendly with Jeannie Buss. Um, Rob Polinka obviously has ties to the franchise um, as an agent and with Kobe. And that's one of the reasons why you got the GM job. And there's a lot of question marks about like how good of a job is he doing? Would they actually make a move? Which quite honestly, I don't think they would. I think Vogel will be out after this season, but I don't think they're going to change anything in that front office. Well, I can't remember who the person was and I wish I did, but there was somebody on social media the other day talking about like if the Lakers knew what they were doing financially, um, because they were all worried in the off season about, you know, the money being spent and we, we can't afford to pay Caruso. And somebody had pointed out like at the trade deadline, if they had just moved two minimum salaries when it comes to like Deandre Jordan and Kent Bazemore, neither of whom are playing right now and thrown in like a little bit of cash and dumped them off on another team, which would have been doable. They would have saved themselves like $8 million when it comes to salary and tax, or even it was like eight to eight and a half million dollars. And they still didn't do that's it. That's the, that's the amount of money that they would have paid Alex Caruso to stay on this team. Wow. So do you not understand how that all works? You're worried about penny pinching and you had an opportunity to get off $8 million and you didn't do it. They had an opportunity to make a trade for the Russell Westbrook for John Wall deal without having to give up a first round pick. It sounds like it would have been like a pick swap or something. They said no. And I think a lot of that is more like, we don't think John Wall is going to be a cure-all and we got Russell. Let's just you know, ride it out with Russ. Okay, I get that. But then when you hear about they had another deal on the table with the Rockets that could have gotten them Christian Wood. And they said, nope, we're not going to do that one. And I'm thinking like, how do you pass that up? I mean, that's another asset. Even if you flip them in the offseason, that's, that's an asset. But they didn't do it because they didn't want to take on extra money with that deal. And here we are talking about one of the great glamour franchises in all sports and they're counting pennies. That's crazy. It's crazy, isn't it? It is. It is. And, and to think that's, that they're that's, like that you're not maximizing your time that you have with LeBron James. Exactly. And now you, know, now you have the four letter network popping off about how the Lakers need to trade Anthony Davis in the offseason. Which is just it's just all hot going garbage. It's that, going that is such down. a mess. I mean, LeBron and AD, when they are healthy, those guys have been such a perfect union. On the basketball And AD's look good since he's come back from the injury. He's looked good. Yeah, I mean, his shooting is... When it's he been first subpar came back all year. Injury, but, but the it's movement, been subpar. The physical when movement. he first came back, he was shooting a little bit better. Now it's gone down a little the last couple of games. We'll see where it's at. But like, these guys won a championship together. And they're still, like LeBron's still playing like he's in his prime or damn close to it. AD is in his prime. He's not even 30 years old yet. I'm like, I'm not giving up on... Anthony Davis. Yeah. I'm not saying that like when LeBron retires and when Russ is gone, that like AD is going to be able to, you know, carry this entire team. I think he needs another star player with him, but like I ain't giving up AD. There's no freaking way. I don't, I don't even know what you would get for him or if there could be enough. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not. Probably not. So, I mean, I know that they're using that for content. I mean, that, I saw people bringing up like, well, why wouldn't you trade Anthony Davis for Ben Simmons? Like, uh, you know, a couple of months ago. And I'm like, you're, you're talking crazy. <laughs> talking, yeah, yeah. talking crazy. You're 
talking crazy and everybody's just trying to find a quick fix. There is no quick fix. I think the scary thing, if you're a Laker fan and you look at the situation and how it hasn't worked so far, is that it sure sounds like they are willing to go into next season with Russell Westbrook as a part of this team and only make fringe moves, moves around the edges with minimum players once again to say, okay, we missed out on like five or six of these guys we got this offseason. So let's just do it all over again with different ones and you know, let's throw it against the wall and see what sticks and keep our fingers crossed. Exhale. Exhale, Brian. That's the first half of the NBA season. Unofficial first half because it's more like two-thirds into the season. But All-Star Weekend, it's here, guys. It's here. Woohoo! Cleveland, Ohio, the land, hosting the league. And I'll be here. I'll be here, and I'll be talking to everybody. Excited, being a host. Already talked about it in the intro, but we're going to have some nice clothes. We're going to have some smell goods on. We're going to take people out on the town. It's not going to be as cold as it usually is here, so that's a little minor victory. But we're going to see a lot of selfies with you, like in the champagne room somewhere or anything like that. I don't think that that's really an attraction uh, of any sort, but maybe we'll get some photos too, Brian. Maybe just for you. Okay. But that's going to wrap it up for the unofficial first half of the season for keep it at ninety four. I'll say that. Uh, we don't have another NBA game after, obviously, the All-Star break until next Thursday. So we, we're going to have All-Star reaction, I guess, on our next episode. <laughs> like, I don't know what, what else to, to talk about other than that. But no matter what, you will find us on the BasketballNews.com podcast network. And we have other great ones for you to listen to as well. The Dunker Spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr. The Alex Kennedy Podcast with Alex Kennedy. The Rematch with Aton Thomas. Dishes and Dimes with the Ladies, and of course, Nothing But Bets, a daily gambling podcast hosted by Evan Sidery. You can find me on Twitter at Spin Davies. Same thing on Instagram. You can find him on Twitter at Brian Fritz. You can find him on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. Please, please, please rate, review, subscribe, leave a comment. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen. And be sure to check out basketballnews.com. All of your coverage on the post-trade deadline, great stuff from our entire staff. I want to applaud them for how we covered that deadline. We absolutely crushed it. Reaction pieces, interviews, press conferences, all that good stuff. Well done, basketballnews.com. And you can check out that too as well for All-Star Weekend coverage, courtesy of me, because I will be right here in my hometown, downtown, talking to a bunch of people. So... Until the next episode of Keeping It 94, for Brian Fritz, I am Spencer Davies, and we will talk to you again another time.